G'day, you're listening to the Hidden Why podcast. This is episode 825, my third interview with this gentleman, Joshua Spodek. Hope you enjoy. G'day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Hidden Why podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Another fantastic interview, guys, today that I'm going to share with you. And it is with a gentleman, a mate of mine over in the States, Josh Spodek. He's a fascinating bloke. I love my conversations with Josh. I really do enjoy it. Uh, I find him so inspiring in, in how he aligns his life, his behaviors with what he really values. And one of the things that he really values, and we talked about this uh, for the first half of the podcast, is the environment and I guess his footprint that he has on the environment. And he's got many initiatives. One is his podcast that he's run, and I've been on his podcast as well. But many initiatives to try and not not tell other people what to do, but trying to, I guess, lead by example through his behaviours to show how people can actually enjoy the process of taking care of the environment. And I think that results in some ideas and some learnings of how we can apply that same sort of um, value-aligned principle to other areas of our life as well, not just the environment, but maybe our health, our relationships and things like that as well. We also talk about his new book, Initiative, a proven method to bring your passions to life, very aligned with what we talk about a lot on The Hidden Why, and that is about living into your passion. So Josh has a bit of a formula for that, so we, we share some of that. Again, I'd encourage you to pick up the book and have a read of it. Um, it's a very step-by-step guide to really bringing your passions to life. So guys, enjoy this conversation with Joshua Spodek, and check him out at joshuaspodek.com. Cheers. Josh, welcome back to The Hidden Why Podcast. How are you? Glad to be here. It's been a while. It has been a while. I was in Japan the last time we had an interview. Um, well, I think we had a couple of interviews too, but uh, back yeah. in Australia now, so it's been probably 12 months at least, and you've got another book uh, just released, I believe, called Initiative, A Proven Method to Bring Passions to Life, which is quite aligned with what we talk about here on The Hidden Why. Yeah, it's uh, I, as with my first book, Leadership Step-by-Step, Step, I, I put my heart and soul into them both. They're both based on courses and both of the courses are based on something that I found missing, which is that a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of books out there that teach entrepreneurship and a lot of resources, courses and videos and things like that. And in my experience, they tend to teach, well, there's a couple of classes. I just jumped into it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, jump into, we'll jump into the book. I actually wanted to, we just yeah. talked about... Um, you're an interesting fellow. I find you quite fascinating in, in how you live your life and your values and, and how you align yourself with those values. I think it's, um, I think it's really interesting and, and probably interesting to share that with the audience. And we were just talk about it, talking about how you, you've gone away from using anything that's in packages. Um, and you talked about your, what would you call it? The no package vegetable soup that you make. My famous no packaging vegetable stew. My famous yeah. no packaging vegetable stew. Um, and you, so you're a vegan as well. I, by most other people's definitions, uh, just because every now and then I'll have, like, if there's meat on something, I will not touch that plate. But if there's a little bit of cheese on it, then I'll pick the cheese out, but I'll still eat it. So to me, some of it makes it into my mouth, so I don't call myself a vegan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But my definition of zero is kind of strict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. And um, so tell us about this no packaging thing. Like, what's, I mean, last time we talked, you were, you were doing a, a bit of an initiative there. I think I came on your podcast too. I was running around Japan at the time with a plastic bag tied to my waist and <laughs> picking up rubbish. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've always been environmental. You know, I I went. I got my degree in science 
I think a lot of people think of science as like um, lab coats and technicians, but for me, it was always about the beauty of nature. Hmm. And so, when you know the the headlines are getting pretty clear. I mean, they have been for a long, long time. And I decided to act on the various things that I noticed. And one of the things, I mean, this is actually this is one of the big applications of initiative in my life. Hmm. But I, I just noticed how much of my garbage came from food, and I was not happy with that. I I don't care how many people in the world are polluting, and if my uh, if my behavior affects them or not. I mean, I hope it does, but I take responsibility for how my behavior affects others. And the plastics been around for 500 years. I don't like that. And I gave myself a challenge: could I go for a week without buying any packaged food? And to that point in New York, I would go out three or four nights a week, and I'd I'd buy stuff that was all prepackaged and just heat it. I had no idea what I was what was going to happen. I did, really didn't think I would make it. And there's a, a, a good six months of, of me eating really bland food because I didn't know how to cook. You know, it's just like steaming broccoli. Yeah. And then one by one, I started, you know, I learned how to, you know, like cooking beans was one, you know, dried beans from the bulk food section. And I learned how to pair them with vegetables and various different ingredients. So it would taste really good. <laughs> and the crazy thing that people, this is what I'm really trying to spread more than anything else. And I, I don't think, I don't hear anyone else doing this, is that, I thought that it was going to be a deprivation, that it was going to be a burden. Like, I didn't want to go no package, but I kind of had to. And what I found, and I don't know anyone else sharing this message hmm. or this experience, hmm. is that it's way more delicious. It's cheaper. People come over more often. And it's like, that is, it's more social. I met the farmers where I get most of my vegetables from. And I think one of the biggest problems with the environment today, I mean, you can talk about like mercury and, and carbon dioxide and methane and plastic, and those are the manifestations of it. But all that stuff results from our behavior and our behavior comes from our beliefs. And I think the belief that acting on our environmental values is a burden and a chore and a distraction and we don't really want to do it, hmm. that keeps it going. Hmm. And I, I found the opposite. And I wish I'd would learned it earlier, and so I'm trying to get that. I mean, as I think it's like a lot of things, isn't it? I mean, I mean, when you, you know, like exercise, you know, if you have, yeah, exactly. if you're not an yeah. exerciser, you you know, starting exercise, it's like oh, got to get up early. Do I really want to run? And I uh, still do it. I run in the morning in the first ten minutes, and it's like oh, what am I doing this for? <laughs> and um, but once you get into that consistent behaviour, and it becomes a new routine and a new practice, it it alters your beliefs, and then it's just something that you can't not do. Um, similar with, you know, not eating meat or going uh, vegetarian or something like that. It yeah. seems, seems like a burden. It seems like a sacrifice at the start, but uh, you find actually a lot more joy in the process as well. Yeah, the longer I do it, the more the analogies start shifting more toward not smoking. Like, mm. I, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm so impressed that you do this. And I feel like it's a smoker who's saying, I'm impressed that you quit smoking. And I'm at the stage where I look at cigarettes, I'm like, yuck, why would I want to do that? Hmm. And so it's not like meat. I know I know that people really like meat. Yeah. I guess people really like cigarettes. But I think after you get away from them long enough, I think everybody who stops looks back and was like, "What was I doing?" Hmm. Yeah, I guess there's there's I mean different aspects of smoking compared to eating meat. Um, but yeah, I mean similarities in changing your behavior. Um, certainly, it's not always a burden, but you've really got to have your values aligned there. I mean, you don't just do it because. It's not something that you really value. Like if, if you see your friend giving up meat, 
and you try to do it, if you're not really uh, aligned with that value, then it's probably going to be much more of a burden. Whereas you, being so environmental, it was maybe made it less of a burden to, to really give it a go? Well, the, the behavior drove the beliefs, actually. it's I mean, of course, I don't think I'm different than anyone in wanting clean air, water, and land. Mm. I think everybody shares those values. I, I mean, no one wants you know mercury in their fish. No, but it's a priority and, thing, too. I mean, yes, we all want a nice, clean environment or health or whatever it might be, but where you put that is in your, in, you know, your priorities or your importance um, will vary from person to person. It was the it was the experiment that did it. I I didn't. A lot of people want to. They say they want to raise their awareness and get educated in order to drive their behavior. But in my experience, it goes the other way. Hmm. That behavior drives awareness infinitely more. Well, not infinitely. <laughs> See, there's the scientist in me. I, I don't want to use the term. I mean, significantly more. Behavior drives awareness much more than awareness drives behavior. And if you want to wait for your awareness to, to get around in order to act, you're going to wait a long time. Whereas if you act, the awareness will shoot up right away. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's like most things. You know, I was talking to a girl yesterday about um, putting things into practice. It's okay to learn things and read books and, and understand theory and all that sort of thing. But if you're not actually putting it into practice, then you're missing out on a big opportunity. Exactly, Yeah. And that's what happened with me. If, until I practice it, I was like, yeah, of course it's important to me. But when I do it, that's why, I mean, you've seen the emails. In my, I assume you're referring to the, my email uh, footer or the signature that I put in, like I've been picking up at least one piece of trash a day for a oh, long, yeah, long time. That's, that's and, quite fascinating. Read us through those, actually. That's interesting. Oh, let's see. Uh, let me get an email out. Okay, so let's see. Months to produce a load of garbage, 16. So the last time I threw out my garbage was... Uh, September. So it's August right now. So it'll be a year in a little under a month. Wow. And, but that one I'd started, so that was September 2018. And that load, I started July 2017. And so that's a, that's a manifestation of, of that I don't want to, pla- I want plastic around. But it also took years to get there. So that was three, maybe three years of going from throwing out garbage once a week to once every two weeks to once a month. And gradually, little by little, I'd, I'd see things that I didn't need anymore and stop getting certain things. And the real challenge is not not getting those. It's it's what do you get instead? Hmm. So I don't have any, I'm bought canned, I used to come home and if I was tired, I'd just go to the store downstairs and buy some canned chili and just open up the can or maybe two and eat it. Yep. And it was very quick and easy. And now I don't get it. I, I, I don't, yeah, getting a canned thing is kind of weird to me. I, why, why wouldn't I just get fresh? And, but it took me a while to learn how to cook to make something that I would eat every time I would eat my stew before I would eat that chili. It was, that stuff is like way too salty and the beans are all, it's like, ah, yeah. there's no, it's just some factory <laughs> produced it. Yeah. So um, 16 months for the, the load of rubbish. Yeah. Let's see. The next one is days picking up at least one piece of litter. What does that say? 847, so what is that, 365 times two, so it's two years and change. That's and fascinating now itself, it's, just picking up a bit of rubbish. I mean, and we talked about this last time you were on the show, just walking past a bit of rubbish, it, it's probably very difficult for you. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, I'm glad you put it that way because, I mean, in New York, there's a lot of rubbish. Hmm. And so the, by necessity, I, I can't, I, I'm not going to get very far walking down the street if I pick up every piece. So usually... 
I restrict it to things that are directly in my path and big enough that it feels like that's easy to pick up. And I'm not going to pick up something that's wet. You know, it's like... Yeah, you got your rules. Yeah. And it's it's funny that the stages you go through, because I'm not decreasing the amount of trash in the world. I'm, I'm simply moving it from one place to another. I just figure stuff in the street is more likely to end up in the ocean. And I, of all places, I'd prefer a landfill than the ocean. Hmm. But the real effect is that it's... Well, it certainly makes you feel more empowered. It, from the before I did it, I thought, "What's the difference does it make?" But after I did it, I thought, "I'm taking responsibility for for my community, for my world." I think that, and people come back to me and they tell me that it's spreading. And um, I've been on TV now as a plogger, this this Swedish term to plog, meaning um, plaka is Swedish for pick up, and jog is jogging. So, plogging is picking up trash while you jog oh, and yeah. <laughs> i blogged about it and then the local news covered me and then a couple of weeks ago a, a daytime tv show picked me up and so that'll come out in a couple of weeks of i was showing the, one of the hosts of the show like how to pick up garbage while we run and it's fun it's if i didn't live in a polluted world i wouldn't do it i wouldn't if, if there's just a little bit of litter here and there and not in like everywhere in the ocean I wouldn't do it, but that is the world we live in. And I do, I think that if I don't do that, I don't really have a position to influence, to try to influence others not to do it. And a lot of people say, oh, governments should change. There should be laws. It should be big corporations should do these things. I agree. I think governments aren't going to do it if the people aren't doing it themselves. Governments follow the people. I mean, you think of them as leading the people and every now and then there's like a moonshot, but most of the time they follow the people and I don't, I don't, I don't want to lead people or try to influence them through guilt and blame. I, I want to lead by saying it's fun. Example, like it's yeah. hmm. not just example. I'm not, if I were just doing it and I didn't like it, I would not try to tell people if you don't do something that you don't like now, something you don't like will happen later because then given the choice between something bad now and something bad later, I'll pick bad later. That seems like a rational, fair choice. But it's not bad now. It's enjoyable. It's, it might sound weird to say I enjoy bending over, picking up off the ground someone else's garbage. While jogging. While jogging. Or, and also <laughs> when walking. Yeah. And if people who go out and do it, if they do it for reasons that are internal to them, hmm. then I believe that they will find it rewarding and I believe that they will keep doing it themselves. And I, I think that it will spread. I mean, the reason I do it Actually, I, st I was doing it for a while, and I was talking to uh, a friend of mine, actually a former student, now friend, in a cafe. And I was just telling him that I did this, and he, on his own, said, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pick up 10 pieces of trash a day for 30 days. Hmm. And I didn't ask him to do it. I, didn't, I was just talking about something I did, but he, something about what I did appealed to him, or the way I said it appealed to him. And at the end of the 30 days, I asked him how it went. And he said that there were a couple things he said. One of them was that at the beginning – he felt weird picking stuff up, like what if people saw him? And he said at the end, he felt weird passing by without picking stuff up. Yeah. And the other thing was that after doing it a while, he felt like, oh, now that I'm doing this, I could do more. And he researched on his own what would make the biggest difference. And by his research told him to cut his meat intake. And as a weightlifter, athletic guy, it wasn't a trivial thing to just drop the meat. He had to rejigger his diet. 
and, but he, you know, I didn't, I never talked to him about food hmm. and he did that on his own. And yeah. that was the premise of my podcast was instead of telling people what to do, invite them at their option to do something. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, I can relate, you know, when I went out there and started running around, um, on my morning runs in Japan, picking up rubbish and it was, yeah, it was mostly litter free Japan, which was nice. Um, but there was still rubbish to pick up and I'd come home with probably a half a bag of rubbish every run. Um, and at first <laughs> it felt weird running around the streets with a plastic bag, um, waving around, you know, on my tail, uh, and picking up rubbish. But at the end it's, and it's still a behavior that I still, you know, find it incredibly difficult now to walk past rubbish on the ground and not pick it up. Um, and I'm, I don't, you know, often I don't pick up the rubbish, but often I do as well. Um, but the conscious level of awareness about that through that past behavior has altered me. That makes sense. Yeah, that behavior hmm. is what did it. it hmm. Until people do it, it's it's abstract. It's it certainly doesn't seem appealing. Picking up other people's garbage, I I, I wouldn't if I didn't do it. But then everyone who does it, not everyone, but a lot of people who do it are like, yeah, they kind of get like you. They're like, yeah, just why wouldn't I? Yeah. And then I don't know how many people take what what future steps they take because for me, now that I see it. When when something passes through my hands, if I'm at a an event and there's, yeah, I was just at this event and they had uh, there there were some liquor samples. It was um, a tasting of some sort, hmm. and I was after it was like a, a speaker panel. And at the end, there was some sponsor and they were like, "Here, have some gin or whatever it was." And I was like, "Do you have any glasses?" And they're like, "No." And I was like, "Sorry, I'm going to pass because I, I'm not going to have this plastic for their paper cups. So okay. I'm not going to use the." paper cup and have it thrown away. Hmm. I thought about maybe looking around to see if there was a discarded one that someone, but I'm not going to use someone else. I don't know who that, <laughs> I, I thought about it though. I was like, yeah. alcohol, it's like its own antiseptic. Yeah. Yeah. So what, t- tell us about this no packaging thing. Like, I mean, that, that's got to be very challenging. I'm inspired by um, you doing it. And uh, my brother actually mentioned to me, which was sort of out of the blue, uh, maybe about a year ago, he said, you know, I think it'd be a great idea for a supermarket where you just go in there with your own containers and you just fill up on what you want, you know, and walk out and pay for what you, what you use rather than picking things from packages off the shelf and putting it in your trolley, filling up containers rather is the process. So, and I think you can see more of these supermarkets coming around now where people go to these organic shops and they've just got big vats of flour or seed or whatever it might be. And you just fill up your own bags and containers and take it home. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, that they exist. And that they're picking up. I, I, I believe I saw a website for someone who is a consultant to people who want to start those. So apparently there's enough of them starting up to keep people uh, living off of the service of helping them get started. Hmm. And yeah, a lot of people, t- a lot of people are like, well, what do you do for toothpaste? What do you do for toilet paper? And yeah, what do you do for toothpaste think, and toilet paper? Well, all right, I'll give you, I'll, first I'll give you the answer that would help me, <laughs> yeah. that would have helped me before I did this. And it's not the answer that most people are looking for, but the answer that would help me is what helped, which is what I actually did, which is just give myself the challenge to say, I'm going to go for one week. And here the specifics that I gave myself to make it so I didn't have to, I just, I don't know. I just, this is what I worked with. I'm, I said, I'm not going to buy anything with any type of packaging. So no bottles, no cans, no rubber bands, no stickers, uh, no bottle, no no, you know, you get the idea. Nothing. Yep. But I would, I allowed myself to finish what was in my cupboards. So I had some bread, I had some stuff in my cupboards and fridge. So 
um, for the first week or so, I was still finishing a lot of other stuff. But otherwise, I was, and I could bring my own bag to the bulk food section. So right away, I went up in like nuts and like nuts, oatmeal and beans. Well, beans I'd never cooked from scratch before. So I had to force myself to boil them on the stove. And getting ahead of myself, then I switched to using the, pre- the, the rice cooker. But then I switched to the pressure cooker. And that was like a huge game changer. The pressure cooker cooks beans in, in like five minutes oh, yeah. as opposed to an hour. Oh, yeah. and, um, and the thing is, when I thought about what to do before doing it, I kept trying to make plans for what I do one day, day two, day three, day four. But when it actually came down to it, it was just easier to go to the store and just what is here. And that's basically the produce section. And you just figure it out. And so I'm like, all right, this is what I can get. What can I do with it? And so there's a lot of steaming vegetables or just eating raw vegetables and eating fruit. And I I didn't know enough then to keep it going. So I I made it two and a half weeks Hmm. and then said, all right, I'll try to keep it going and, and just minimal packaging. And so I would still get some things. And over the years, I'm replacing the like uh, vinegar. I was I would get a lot of vinegar, and that was always in bottle. And then one day, I just went online. I was like, "How to make vinegar?" And it turns out it's really easy once I do it. And so now I make vinegar myself. I just buy the apples, chop them up, put them in with um, some something to. Actually, you can just do apples and water, and that's it. And I happen to have some maple syrup that is in a container that I'm using up, but I only use like one teaspoon or maybe two te- two teaspoons for a big jar. And various different things. I just figure out what to, to do instead. Hmm. Um, like right now, there's I'm still going through this hot sauce that's really good. And it's um, <laughs> it's ghost pepper. So it's insanely oh, yeah. spicy. Wow. And so I use like a, an amount the size of a rice grain is like, enough for a big vat of stew and it's not quite that much, but pretty close. So it's like I bought two jars, two bottles of it when I bought it, which was before all this started. So years it's taken me to finish this bottle and I'm getting down to the end of it of my second bottle. And I'm like, maybe I'll buy this stuff because it's so little and it's glass. It does have a plastic lid, but then I'm also thinking maybe I should get myself some ghost peppers and figure out how to make this stuff. For sure. Or, I mean, I usually get habaneros and jalapenos. And anyway, you can see this yeah, is yeah. my mindset. is yeah. like, how mm. can I do this other thing? So, uh, and also my, my brother-in-law is a dentist. So I've had this pile of toothbrushes that was always there. And I think I'm down to my last toothbrush. And it's, I had like years worth of toothbrushes. Yeah. So I have not had to deal with that, that one yet. I'm just, I, I'm not throwing away stuff that I have. I'm using it up. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So you'll so have toilet- to make a you'll have to make a tooth a toothbrush uh, yourself. But what are you using for toothpaste? You still got toothpaste, or you're using like bicarbonate soda? Or that I'm on my last thing of toothpaste. But there's plenty of things online about how to make toothpaste. Yeah. And actually, my brother-in-law told me that in terms of plaque and your teeth health, it's just the toothbrush and water. The a toothpaste is really for the smell and for the, the feeling of, yeah. of cleanliness. But it actually doesn't help clean off your teeth. And people use baking soda with a little bit of um, oil, like some essential oil or something. I haven't gotten to it yet, but I'll. Yeah, um, that's interesting. I'll do what's online. Inspiring. Solve that yes. one. I like it. And I make a game of it. And toilet paper. And and you talk. Don't tell you me you're using old magazines. And they share their stuff. Oh, so that what? The, you're not using old magazines. 
Oh, so for the toilet paper, here's the, uh, I got a little catchphrase that I have to figure out how to use in some way. All right. So I go to a bunch of events. I teach at NYU. So there's all these faculty events and I go to them and they have, uh, oftentimes there's some sort of snack, some wine and cheese or something like that. And I notice a lot of people will pick up like five napkins. They'll go and talk to people, whatever they use the top napkin and then they walk away and there's four napkins sitting there completely unused. And then for some reason, the catering people, it's like their job is like, as soon as something is unused, they throw it away immediately. And so I kept seeing all these people throwing away these completely new napkins. Hmm. And I'm not going to go around to all the people and say, stop using all those napkins, even though I want to. But I know that's not, I don't expect that to be productive. And I'm not going to go to the catering people and tell them how to do their job and say, put, I mean, they can't put them back in the unused pile. No. So I started taking them home and using them for napkins. And then eventually I was like, here's the catchphrase. If you can wipe your face with it, I can wipe my butt with it. <laughs> and that's where my toilet paper comes from, like unused napkins that like would otherwise go into the trash and works for me. Yeah, fair enough. Too. Look, I, the, the question that's coming to mind, and I think probably a lot of people are going to ask this question to you and probably do, is number one, what are the, I guess, what are the costs involved of doing this? And we talked about burdens at the start and you've obviously overcome any of the burdens that you believed might have appeared, but time costs and monetary costs of going no packaging. Has that been a big, because it sounds like you need time, like to make your own vinegar rather than just buying a packet, um, you know. There's well, the, I mean, for vinegar, more. vinegar is chopping up a few apples, putting them in a jar with some water and just letting them sit. So the sitting part, I don't pay attention to. I just let them sit on the counter. Yeah, no, it's just and, chopping them up and, and putting them in a the jar. Yeah, so that's a few minutes and I'm nibbling on the apples while I'm doing it. So it's, I just, it's just a matter of doing it. Uh I, it's a matter of like noticing when I'm low in vinegar. And then if I forget, then I'm kind of, I got to have not vinegar for a while. How long does not it take to ferment vinegar? It starts, I, I can start using it about two weeks, but a month it starts tasting really flavorful. I'm going to do it. Mm, cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, how it goes. It's, um, if you start with a vinegar, you can start with, I don't know if it's bacteria or, or whatever, something's in the air that will turn the sugars into alcohol, and then the alcohol will turn into, I think it's called acetic acid. So it's a two-step process. And if you just use whatever's in the air, I read that it's like a 50-50 chance that you'll get something that tastes really good, and you might get a vinegar that doesn't taste very good. If, however, you get a vinegar where the package says it includes the mother, which is, means it's, there's living stuff in it, and you use that, then you'll get a vinegar that tastes basically like that vinegar, hmm. and it's so you're more likely to get one that works. Yeah. No, look it up. See, all these weird things. Like, I didn't know this before. And now, mm. to me, it's just like, that's just, that's just something I know. Like, a while ago, I, I learned how to make seitan. And I was just kind of curious. And so I started making it. What is seitan? It worked great the first time. It's uh, wheat gluten. Uh, it's like a fake meat. When you go to stores, sometimes when there's a fake meat, it's often seitan. Okay. And what it actually is, is you take whole wheat. And you make it into a dough, and then you run it underwater, and you wash away the um, the starch. So you're left with just the gluten. So all the people who don't eat gluten, tough, it's not going to work for them. But its nutritional profile is a lot like meat, and it's pretty – like I've eaten it and been like, did I put meat? And I'm like, no, no, it's the seitan. Yeah. And it turns out it's kind of fun to make because you're kneading all this dough and putting it in the water. So back to the time – when I make my stew, 
there's a video online. If you look at my blog, you'll see I did a video of me making a stew. It takes about 20 minutes for me to make it. If I'm, if I just, if I don't plan it out, I just open the fridge. I'm like, what do I got? And chop it up, put it in the pressure cooker. Like the, the time spent getting it out, chopping, putting it in, turning it on, that's roughly 20 minutes. And then it, then the pressure cooker takes it from there and that takes another, however long it takes. Yep. But I don't have to do it. I'm not paying attention there. Hmm. Now, I usually fill the pressure cooker up the whole way. So that's 20 minutes, but I got five, six, sometimes seven meals out of it. So now the next times I got to get out of the fridge, take it out of the container and put it in a bowl and chop up some onions and put some nuts on it and whatever vegetables I want to put on top. So, but the next ones, it's like roughly two minutes. So I do have to do that 20 minute thing and that's longer, but then it's really quick after that Hmm. to the point where when I work at home, I'm like constantly going to the fridge and nibbling because it's, it's all sitting there and I just keep nibbling on it all day long. Now, as it happens, I constantly invite people over as I just invited, I think I invited you over before we started recording that when people come to New York, I'm like, come, come over my famous, no packaging vegetable stew. (laughs) And someone was just over for lunch today. And also when I do my podcast, if someone's around New York, I invite them over. So I've had over a C-suite, someone, people from the C-suites of major multinational corporations and uh, a Nobel Peace Prize winner was over. And for a while, I felt kind of nervous about it. But now it's like, is it weird for me to invite people over when we're business people, business connections? But it's changed how I look at things. Like I think of packaging fits in with this, a system of separation that I prefer in person and it's become more natural for me. So when people come over, I don't try to be efficient. I make a show of it and I share with them what I'm doing and where this vegetable came from. And they often ask a lot of questions of what's a CSA and how to, which is, you know, a CSA is where I, um, I pay for, I get a week, every week I go to pick up the spot and pick up the vegetables from that, from the farm for that particular week. And I pay them up front. So like somewhere in January, which for us is before the planting season, I give them several hundred dollars. And then from May until our Thanksgiving in mid-November, every week I go to a a drop-off point a few blocks away and pick up my vegetables. And so these vegetables are the most delicious things. They're more delicious than the farmer's market because they don't have to breed them to – well, they certainly don't have to breed them to go across the country like this stuff from California. Yeah. They don't have to breed it to be – like it's not necessarily the brightest red tomatoes, but it's the most delicious tomatoes hmm. because yeah. you get what you get. Yeah. They don't have to make it look good. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. And so I like August 31st is the day when this particular farm has its like open house and they have a bus that goes up from the city and they charter a bus and I get on the bus. And it's the highlight of my summer is I spend a day, I go to the farm and there's a bunch of people there, all the people – Whoever wants to go can go, and I meet the farmers, and I walk around in the fields, and I eat the vegetables off the plant that, like when they like the tomatoes, they don't get every single tomato. So I walk through, and like if there's a tomato sitting there, more likely the cherry tomatoes, I eat the ones, and they're like, yeah, take them because we already gave, like we're not picking any more of them. Oh my god, I have learned don't eat the day before and like work out before going to get a full appetite because it's. I mean, the cherry tomatoes, are, it, it's, it's like a religious experience. So this is all my way of answering that I now take more time, but that's not because I couldn't take less time. It's because um, I, I think of it by now. Your priorities have changed. Yeah. Exactly. 
Yeah. Like, I think of... It's interesting how these things to, flow, you know, to, to other areas of your life and become amazingly beneficial. Yeah. I mean, what are you hurrying to do otherwise? Like, mm. to sit down and watch could TV. Spend less time with, you could spend less time with your kids and get more stuff done too. But, I mean, no one says that about kids. Like, I mean, isn't it time consuming to have a kid? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, mate. So tell us, let's just um, talk a little bit about your book. And you're saying our culture is in a crisis of initiative. What's that all about? Yeah. You know, there's, as I was saying before, there's a lot of resources. A lot of the resources that I I think are great resources that I don't want to really compete with, although uh, it'll still be useful. There's a lot of stuff by and for Silicon Valley engineers. And when I say Silicon Valley engineers, I don't just mean only people in Silicon Valley. But if you want to do uh, a high growth venture backed startup, IPO bound, or looking for a big exit. There's The lean launch stuff is great. Uh, there's a lot of really useful stuff out there. But even like the book, the book is very clear. Uh, not my book, but the lean startup says, you know, if you have an idea in a team, how do you manage what's going to happen? And if you take the course at Stanford and you look online, you have to apply. Actually, it's not just Stanford because the same course is taught at Columbia and NYU and now the American government, National Institutes for Health and NSF. They use the same structure and you have to apply. And the application says, what's your idea and what's your team? And you don't have to have an idea and a team, but if you don't have one, then they'll put you on one. Hmm. And when I talk to people who have not started companies, why they haven't started, the number one answer I got was, I don't have an idea. But when I talk to the people who have successfully started things and I say, is the idea that you're doing now what you started with, it never is. Right. Which told me it's not the idea, even though that's what they're filtering on. And I think that the Silicon Valley people or the, the, the people with the existing resources, they're effective for a certain group, but they're filtering out the people that it's not effective for. And they think that because people don't have ideas and teams that they don't, they're not candidates for being great entrepreneurs. Right. So I think that they feel like, well, we're serving the market because we this is the market. But there are a lot of great projects that begin, and that they don't have to be for-profit ventures. They can be nonprofits. They can also be community organizations. They can be just your own hobby, something that you do yourself. Like my podcast is, for me, a great initiative. And it may merge into something, but even if it never does more than just what my podcast is, I love it. And no lean startup it wouldn't have worked for them because there's no, their their stuff wouldn't have worked for me. And yet it's one of the great passions of my life that I believe will change the world. Hmm. And so I was teaching, when I started teaching entrepreneurship at NYU, I knew that there was something missing and I was trying to figure out how to make stuff available, how to make the opportunities available for people who wouldn't fit that mold. And a lot of trial and error and a lot of learning about techniques that work to teach uh, project-based experiential learning that I got from people who taught other subjects. And, you know, when you teach music or you teach art or you teach sports, you don't teach, you don't lecture. You give people the basics and yeah. you, as a master each level, you take them to the next level. And I found that that process and that method applied to entrepreneurship as it did with leadership. And so it took me a few years to hone it and to get it to where it it really worked and where my students were getting written up in the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post and one of them went to Y Combinator wow. and, and Forbes and 
Oh, and, and this is not just like they graduated and then did that. This is for homework in my class. Like one of them got a TEDx talk. Another one spoke at Harvard for the projects in my class. Oh, yeah. Not, I mean, I and then they went on to do other later things. Yeah. And that I, I wasn't aware of anything like that. And so I was, you know, I'm, from an inner sense of, I'm compelled to bring this out to the world. I hope that a lot of people can use what's in it to overcome the inhibitions of acting on on passions that are inside them. So how do we maybe how do we yeah I mean how do we begin with like and I mean I want to encourage people to pick up your book obviously but how do we begin with is it, is it all about nurturing our passions to find initiative and, and our, our own path or the exercises walk you through it and it's a bit hard for me to describe it with it's kind of like how do you describe scales to someone who doesn't know how to play piano it's it's not obvious how yeah playing scales will do it. But there's a set of exercises that get you first to come up with ideas that are not really candidates for a viable thing. Because if you have, to, if you believe that you need to start off with something great, it's a it's an insurmountable insurmountable hurdle for many people. Yeah. So there's a few exercises of coming up with ideas that aren't great and solutions or problem finding problems in a field that you like that aren't great, and then finding rudimentary solutions that also aren't great, but using them. To, as a seed to do the next exercise, which, which is to share them with other people and get advice, not judgment, which is what almost everyone does if you don't really guide them, and get advice from them. And then you start seeing the ideas go from crappy or rudimentary to start taking shape. And you start also developing the skills of not thinking you have to do this by yourself in a white room with no distractions, but rather to form a community hmm. and you start realizing people like, if you go up to, there's some little scripts I say for people who aren't used to doing this. They don't have to follow the scripts, but it's, you go up to someone and you say, if you say to someone, I've been working on this project, it's entrepreneurial, and I wonder if I could share it with you. Almost always you get a yes to that. Yeah. Even if the person's busy. Because hmm. people like hearing those things. They feel like they're an insider. And as you start working on them and the ideas start evolving, a couple things happen. One is you start feeling like, oh, I want to share this with more people. I want to, I want to get more advice. You start feeling a greater sense of ownership of the project. And then there's another thing that Probably happens, builds your confidence which is that, too. yeah, confidence, expectation of success hmm. and enthusiasm and also compassion and empathy because these problems are always someone else's problems that you can help solve. Yeah. And when someone, every now and then you'll, at, at one point you'll get someone say, when's this going to be ready? And, you know, I want to buy it or I want to join. Hmm. Another thing that happens is that there's a big problem that I faced that I would give students the assignments and they would often pick projects that I could tell they didn't really care about. And I struggled because I know that a lot of people, I allowed people to switch from one, one project to another. And whenever they switched, there was always to something that, that they liked more. And I thought, how can I help them not pick one that they don't like at first? And over the years, I realized one is that if, if I did that for them, it would deprive them of developing the skill of discerning their priorities. The other thing was I realized that why were they picking these things that they weren't really into? And mm. I realized that schooling largely tells you what's important. Like you should study this subject at this time, tell you, t show that you know it in this way. And when someone tells you what's important, you don't know your values. You don't know your priorities. And so people would pick stuff that was like in the headlines or that their parents said was cool yeah. or that or 
or their friends were doing. External. And so there are a lot of mm. like apps for blockchain stuff. And I'm sure that's I'm sure some people are really passionate about it, but also a lot of people are probably like, oh, that'll make me a lot of money. And they don't care about apps and they don't care about blockchain. And they were just kind of doing it as an academic exercise. And then, so the combination of this is I, I understood why they were picking things they didn't like, but also that me telling them wouldn't help, would exacerbate the problem. What happens when they start seeing a project improve is they start realizing, wait a minute, if I can get this to work, one, I, I'm going to get something that works that I don't care about, but there's something I really do care about. And then they start becoming more sensitive to what is inside. And oftentimes, their second or maybe third time through, they start saying things like, I, I've been wanting to do this for like five years. I just didn't think anyone would care. And it's not that they didn't, I think it's not that they didn't think people would care. I think that they thought they didn't have a chance of succeeding. And if you fail at something that is an academic exercise, well, okay, you don't get the best grade, but whatever, no big deal. But if you fail at something you care about, that mm. can hurt. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. But when you, and when you think that you have a chance of success at it, you're not worried about the hurt. You're, you're more worried about what if I don't do it? And so that's why the cover of the book says it's a, to bring your passions to life. And I had to push back on my publisher who was saying, put the word entrepreneurship on the cover. That's, that sells books. But I couldn't stop people from thinking entrepreneurship, Silicon Valley, engineers in the 20s. And oh, it's it so definitely much, is useful for that. So much, it's popular in entrepreneurship. Yeah, as, as I believe it should be. I think initiative to me is more general. And if, if, what you're, if the problem that gets you jumping out of bed to solve, if the best way to implement that project is by getting funding and starting a uh, for-profit company and hiring people or whatever, then by all means, do it the best way possible. But if the best thing to do is to form uh, a group of friends to get together every week to do, I don't know, a book club or whatever, then you don't have to, then this will help you with that. But Lean won't. Hmm. And various people have done different things. Like one guy, the guy who gave the TEDx talk, he started doing a pro he's of Palestinian descent. He's American. Uh, and he started a program in Palestine to teach leadership skills, some of which were from leadership step-by-step step, to Palestinian youths who otherwise their way of, of expressing themselves would be through violence. Yeah. Well, I, I'm oversimplifying. I, I, I'm not there, so I don't really know. It's not just violence, but um, they would often feel pent up and wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. And now he's going in and teaching them things and I believe he's formed a nonprofit, and they are learning leadership in a style of understanding and um, making people feel understood so that they can act effectively to further their lives. And so I can't go into too much detail because I don't really know the detail, yeah, yeah. but it's been going on for a few years and Dalai Lama supporting him. Yeah. Wow. So this, this initiative, um, uh, it, it sort of sounds like it begins with you know coming up with ideas and whether they're good ideas or bad ideas, just coming up with ideas. Is that sort of right? There's a, yeah, I, I left out. That's what I said. I should say there's an earlier step, which is to write a personal essay. And in that essay, how do we write a personal out, essay? Was that how do we write a personal essay? So I, I put a few questions in it, hmm. and it's mainly mainly what it's to get out is a field of interest to you, so that. Is it and, to get and out also, the passions? Well, just to go in a direction. So if, you, if you're if you really into, um, I don't know, food, 
you know, I want something written so that you, you pick a direction of food. But if you're more into uh, clothing and fashion, you might pick that. So I want to give you a direction so that the next exercise is pick some, find some problems in that area. So where so do I start with fashion, writing a, a personal essay? I mean, am I writing up a, a story about my life? Am I, am I structuring oh, well, it with a, 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 you know, an intro body and conclusion? Uh, is it two pages that I should write? Like how do you just guide me on this? Okay, so I'm I'm being quick when I'm sp- saying it to you now, and I've gotten out the book, and the book like gives you very step by step instructions, yeah. so yeah. you're not guessing. Yeah. So, um, I'm just looking at it, and it says the personal essay has several goals: to lead you to reflect in what brought you here, to direct your focus to a field you're interested in, to for future reference, uh, uh, to introduce yourself to whoever reads your reflections, should you share them, and then I give a bit more, and then action. You can write about what you want, but here are some questions and topics to consider. Hmm. What, motivated, what motivated you to learn initiative? What do you hope or expect to come from learning initiative? What do you think about taking responsibility, taking initiative, solving problems, and creating projects? What are your models and how, and how, for how taking initiative and entrepreneurship work? Who are your role models? And there's a few things. Uh, that's part of the list. Yeah. And, and then at the bottom, I say, after writing your essay, I recommend sleeping on it, rereading it, and editing it before moving on. So it's not just like... When I'm talking to you, I don't want to. I didn't. I don't want to go into too much depth. But yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. I don't want people to be like, "What exactly? What? What do you mean?" I, I want it to be like when you when you're learning how to play the piano. Even though your goal eventually is to express your emotions freely, you know, on Carnegie Hall stage or something like that, the actual first lesson begins with put this finger on that key, hmm. this finger on that key, this finger on that key, and it's. It may sound very repetitive and mechanical, the opposite of expressing your emotions, but that's how, we know that's what works. I mean, I think probably the most people who played Carnegie Hall stage probably played more scales than anyone else. Than anyone else. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I want to give it. I, I don't want people guessing at what to do. But yeah. So you really, in the book, walk people through the process, um, through your process of really. Yeah. And actually, there's there's another page. I'm not going to look it up right now. I was, I was reaching for the book for a second. But I, I, at one point, I write, but Josh, what do I do specifically right here, right now? And I said, there's three main options. One of them is you can get out a piece of paper and start writing your personal essay. And you can do that right now. You can have it done before you fall asleep. Another is you could go online and start a blog. And you could do it with your name attached to it. You could do it anonymously. You okay. can let people know about it or not. And you can just start writing your results online. And I recommend letting people see it, even if it's anonymous, because knowing that someone will read it, I think helps you, it leads you to think more thoroughly. Yeah, yeah. And another thing is, I mean, you can go to spodokacademy.com where I have, it's an online site, oh, it's a site. And um, because a lot of other people have done the exercises there, then they can see what other people have reflected and it's step by step, so you can't get to the second exercise until you first until you've done the first one. So after you write your personal essay, then you can read everyone else's personal essay. And after you do exercise two, you can read what everyone else got with exercise two. And then yeah. there's that community feeling to it. Hmm. Nice. Now, there's also so far I know of one, maybe second person. I forget if the second person started yet, but one guy wrote me and he's like, check out my thing. And he is I'll send you the link if it's to if you want to put it up for your listeners. That you can read a guy who's doing it, and he's started a blog, and his name is attached to it, and you can read what he's doing. I think he's on exercise five now, and there's ten exercises, so he's about half. Well, he's about halfway done in terms of number of exercises, hmm. but he's starting to get into them more. Yeah. And he's actually texted me about them. Let me see. I'm kind of curious, like his 
I don't think he would mind if I read a text from him. Let's see. Oh, actually, um, I got another text from a friend of mine who's starting a book club, getting together and doing the exercises together. So I'm going to meet with their group um, by video and kind of have a conversation like this. So, yeah, he, let's see, what was he? um, One of the people he was asking advice from Apparently, yeah, he said, wow, this last conversation was amazing and cemented how well this is working. Got some very good advice and, and an amazing referral slash introduction. Well, I got through to one of my, and then a couple of days later, he said, I got through to one of my valuable people, or at least whoever runs his Instagram account. And it looks like he's going to go meet the person in person. So it was someone that he never expected he could have gotten through to. Man. Apparently responded and was like, come and meet me. That's cool. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of things like that that are happening with him. He's, and, well, I'll give you the link and, and people can go and read, word, uh, read his directly process. from him. Yeah, love it. So in picking up the book initiative, what, what, would, what would we hope to get out of it as a reader, ultimately? There's, in the short term, what you get is that you'll end up with a project that you care about, that you're passionate about, that people who are in the field, people that, that your customers or the people that you're serving, and valuable people who might be just mentors and things, they will be have a vested interest in your success. They will want you to succeed. They will see your success. They'll see their success in your success. So they'll want you to do well. Yeah. In the long term, you'll become someone who is able to do that anytime you want. So that you will, anytime that you are in, say, a job that you don't like, you'll be able to come up with a problem that needs solving and you'll probably see your managers or the CEO or someone as the person that you would be like the customer of the person that you would want to give you the resources and the responsibility and the deliverables to get your project done. And so you have both the ability to create what you want and the responsibility that if what you're doing doesn't measure up to what you want, it's your responsibility to do something about it. Most managers aren't there trying to figure out like, how can I make your life better? They're busy making their own life better. Yeah. But now you can do it for yourself. Yeah. That's pretty important. Leadership of yeah. our own lives. I think we talked about that last time, actually. Hmm. It's to me, it's this is critical, fundamental stuff that our educational system, at, at least in the US, the more that it goes to standardized tests and things that can be um, standardized yeah. and based on compliance, Compliance is the opposite, almost the opposite of initiative. And, you know, I'd love for this stuff to filter its way into the mainstream educational system because to me, this is what I don't want to, I don't know if I'm overstating myself, but this is what life is about is projects that help others, that excite passions, that don't take, that if you need resources to get them started, all you do is make acquiring those resources part of the project hmm. and then you the people have access to those resources you have to figure out how something how to how it works for them yeah love it guys check it out is it in audio book as well josh not yet audiobook and i apologize about that it's uh sounds like yeah, a book so i'd actually think you'd, you'd better benefit from reading rather than listening to but i may be wrong in that that's part of it because if you – I mean if you – there are people who have just read it and they're like, wow, this really gave me a new appreciation of how to do things. 
it's the people who do the exercises. That's where it really changes. Really and changes. to do the yeah. exercises, it's useful to have it, have it in something in hand. Copy. Yeah. Nice one, man. You're doing some some pretty cool things. Fascinating conversation, as always. So let's do it again sometime. Thank you. And I'm, I have to say, I'm really glad that you steered the conversation in the directions you did and the way you did it. it, it um, I was really glad to share some of the things that I did. Yeah, it's, it's inspiring, I believe so. Uh, you inspire me and I'm sure you're inspiring the audience as well, Josh. How can people best, I mean, you've got lots of things going on. Um, how can people best find you and, and listen in and, and, and yeah, learn about you? Everything's at joshuaspodek.com. Yeah. So uh, in the upper right corner, there's contact if they want to email me. And somewhere on there, there's like the LinkedIn and Twitter connections. And up in the upper right is also the podcast. Yeah. Uh, the Leadership in the Environment podcast. And that's on the usual places where you can stream. But you can also just go to the website. Nice and easy. The website, joshuaspodek.com. Yeah. yeah. Cool, man. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Guys, check it out, thehiddenwhy.com. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels, using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcasts. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon